This is Jan Cox Talk number 2585, recorded September 29th, 2000. You know who loses a staring contest? People with something to hide. That's the first version. Better version. More accurate version. You know who loses staring contest? People who believe they have something to hide. Next question. Do you know who believes or who will lose staying contest? Everybody! <laughs> Except uh, someone who knows better. I saw the funniest, knowing how much you like to join in the humor, I saw the funniest one sentence that I have seen, I'll say in my life since it doesn't cost anything, in my whole life. Was a book title, nonfiction, of course, by a scientist, by a man with a doctorate. The title was How the Brain Learned to Talk. I almost walked past it. I was just glancing. I saw the, what the section was. The blurb on the cover. Well, you can imagine what it was. It, what, he was by someone currently active in the newly named field of cognitive neuroscience. And I just glancing at the blurb on the jacket, and you could figure it out yourself, uh, the man was attempting, he was offering his own model and based upon latest findings and et cetera of uh, how the brain developed. Uh, I think his thesis seemed to be that it was an outgrowth of uh, the visual cortex that is people have already years ago it's not important but I had read enough that there's been several ideas that well so, such as basically the old so-called reptilian brain that was just that that's all we are that the cortex was just an elaboration on that that they took what that the brain took what was there and just built upon it there wasn't a whole new that the uh, frontal lobes and the cerebral cortex was not a brand new addition to a house where it was not a brand new, it was not another building. Somebody did not put a garage next to a house. They simply added onto the house. At any rate, and I glanced through and it was obvious that, uh, it was many pages long, but it was obvious that he was trying to, it was his, he was offering a theory, a model of how the brain learned to talk. Uh, most of you have already laughed. I don't know if it's just the power of suggestion or you're just trying to be polite. When I said, how funny, and you all laughed, and I gave you the title. Notice at least I didn't have the decency. I had the decency not to stop. I said, wait a minute. That was a little too quickly. And start calling names and pointing to it and say, tell me, why did you laugh? Now, you know damn well if you'd passed that book or saw that title, you wouldn't have laughed at it. How the Brain Learned to Talk by Dr. So-and-so. It is exactly what I've been talking about either for the last two or three nights or the last two or three months or the last two or three years. Or maybe the last two or three lifetimes if you believe in that crap stuff. How the brain learned to talk. I see the, the cellular, I keep saying molecular interest, the, like the molecular origins of Greek myths, uh, 
if it bothers any of you, sometimes I think about both ways. I, I don't know how, what kind of picture you have in your mind when you hear the words molecular or molecule. Or if you still have a picture, sometimes it strikes me as better and that perhaps I should do it with you is to say cellular. Because does anybody appreciate, this is Friday, we don't have to say on any subject, do it. Does anybody appreciate the absolutely, I don't know what else to say, absolutely astounding, singular, I don't think anybody appreciates what thought can do, what thought does constantly. You hear a word and you not only understand the word, let's assume that you understand more or less how I mean it, that not just the word, but that I'm conveying something, maybe in one word, that covers immeasurable areas. And not only that, but you see pictures. You see absolute pictures. You may see right quick in a moment a whole scene, something that happened to you one time, or something that you observed. Say in a movie, but the movie may have taken 30 seconds to convey this, or it may have taken 30 seconds or two or three minutes in your life, and you can hear this one word and see that whole thing. Better than real time, because you can see two or three minutes worth, or it could have been something that was drug out over an hour or so. And just instantly, your mind can compress it to the parts that are pertinent to your memory and that have to do with the word. But I was thinking, what I was referring to was perhaps sometimes I should say cellular rather than molecular because even I can say cell and from somewhere, high school days or somewhere, I get one of these pictures. I say high school because I'm picturing like a high school textbook or maybe it could have been in my adult years when I was into serious reading like time life books for morons. <laughs> but at any rate, I'll say cell and I can still see some of these pictures. The cell is like a factory. And it's showing stuff coming in and little, you know, it's a drawing with all kinds of colors. And, you know, it's showing how proteins are built and how they... Anyway, so I... And I can't recall one like that for molecules. Just round circles all bouncing around somewhere. But cells are like little people. I can still remember some they were. Little squares with legs, you know, and little stick arms. And them doing jobs together and holding hands or, you know, com combining to do factory work. At any rate, I see, which I keep trying to get you to one way or the other, to get to that kind of level, how the brain learned to talk. Well, I was going to say it would strike all of our brain molecules, our brain cells, that if you walk past that book enough, maybe you're just staying there and you just picked it up, it would strike you on the surface. Even before you saw it was by Dr. So-and-so, you would know it is a nonfiction book. You would know that it is a serious book. You would know that it was either by a trained professional in neurology, psychology, something such as that, or else a very well-versed and literate science reporter. But you would know that the book is serious, not in a sarcastic sense, but as a, a serious scientifically based work. And it might be of interest to you, the, just the title. Oh, I never really thought about it that way. But again, taking our cartoon evolutionary history of man that at one time, if we did have ancestors here, the somewhere between the Neanderthals and attorneys, if there was some sort of link in there, then we'll assume at one time they did not actually have the power of literate, cohesive, syntactically, semantically, and everything else based speech. 
And so it seems reasonable to say that at one time man did not speak or something resembling. Our progenitor somewhere did not speak, if we accept that. And now we do speak. And that we did speak, uh, surely, many dozens of thousands of years ago. So if at one time we didn't and then we did, then to say the brain learned to speak. How did the brain learn to speak? I mean, who's going to give it a second thought? Nobody but sleeping motherfuckers. It's a scientific term. Huh? <laughs> all right. So we all know what the title means. And we would, and as I said, perhaps you could find it interesting to read the book. But you know on the surface what the title means and what the man's getting at. And it might strike you at that moment that that is an interesting area. I never thought about it in that particular way, but that's worthy. Maybe I'll go home and work on it. Except for this. How the brain learned to speak. Who did it learn it from? It's a reasonable question. And there's no way out of it. You can't weasel out and say, well, I'm not sure any reasonable person would try to weasel out. <laughs> They'd probably just drop the subject. I was going to even come up with something else and say that somebody's mind could say, well, I see what you mean. There was no, if there was no humans talking, how did it learn? I was going to say that somebody's mind could say, well, it could have learned from some other source. That's why I decided not to go down that path. It was a waste of time. Because I'd say, well, from what? Trees? That's really all I have to say. Does anybody get it? If I cut through the theatrics, well, it's hard to cut through the theatrics without just saying it outright. And if you just say it outright, your brain cells won't let them fly right past and go, what was that? How did the brain learn anything? Who did it learn it from? It's just speech. We seem to have nailed it down to something that suddenly just say, how did the brain learn anything? It's, again, it's probably too wide open to start with. But everyone that's semi-literate accepts the fact that man has evolved in some way. And I assume that most literate people, fairly well-read, would believe that based upon anthropological evidence of the bone structures they're left, that at one time, whoever man was, whatever our progenitors were, that they did not speak. They didn't have even the physiological capacity to make speech, etc. So let's assume that everyone agrees. It just sounds reasonable. Of course, there's another interesting thing. I've never really gotten into that. I say, well, that sounds reasonable. I was going on, and I assume that you would not. Yet yeah, it does. Wait a minute. What does sound reasonable mean? And we know what we think it means. Well, what the hell is sound reasonable? Where did it come from? Men made it up. Nothing sounded reasonable until some, some man said something, and some other man, or the guy who said it, pointed out, by the way, does that sound reasonable or what? And people around him went, you're right. I'm asking you, what the hell does that mean? Not only does that sound reasonable, what does that mean? But then why did other people go, you're right. What does sound reasonable mean? If you want to really dumb it down, 
the same thing as somebody say, well, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. As opposed to what? Go back to where we sort of were. Who did the brain learn to speak from? Because the word learn, man made it up. Nobody forced it on men's, the cells, the molecular action, the cellular action that constitute man's consciousness, his, all of his thoughts. They, in a great combined effort, culminating in the good Dr. Johnson, put together a dictionary, put together words, Although, I assume some of you know, Dr. Johnson said if he had all to do over, he would have shot himself many years before he started com compiling the dictionary. In fact, he said the life of a drunk would have been preferable. <laughs> I may be exaggerating a bit, but... <laughs> but think about these brain cells. They made up words, and they knew what they were making up. The word learn... All right, there has to be a source. Learning means that there was something of which you were ignorant, and now you're not, and so you had to learn it. You had to get it. There's the transfer of knowledge, transfer of information, transfer of something. Who did man's brain learn to speak from? Of course, you do understand I'm back to the same old subject, because what I'm saying is look over thought shoulders and tell me what's going on. Tell me why... Or tell yourself why. Face up to it. Why no one can find man's subconscious and why they weasel out of that for ten minutes and came up with the idea of pre-consciousness. Why can't any of us, why can't men say what they're going to think next? Why can't they think what they're going to say next? Why, why can they can't tell you what they're going to say next? I could make it right dead to me, staying there just split in a split second. I even made it better because I always do these. Now, well, you know how I do it. The whole parts that I could go through this with ordinary people's brain cells, ordinary men, if they were interested. And then somebody, at least I foresee, I could have done it years ago. And surely, if I'd point out who, pointing out through my rhetorical question, if the brain learned to talk, if that's the correct, if, it, if that is what happened, that one time man could not talk and then the brain learned to talk, who, from whom did the brain learn to talk? Then someone, after a few seconds, could have said, well, technically I guess you're right. And I guess that technically, literally, we should not say that the brain learned to talk. We would say that the brain develop the ability to talk. Does that take care of it? That's swapping subconscious for a pre-conscious staging area that we have yet to precisely identify in the brain. I find the attempted nuance quite revealing about the cellular activity that continues in the brain, you cannot pin down those cells. That may be one reason they're so small. They may have done that willfully. I've thought about that. Well, some weeks ago, I compared the mind trying to figure itself out 
any of you noticed or enjoyed it. My picture that hit me one day, I was walking near a power plant, as a matter of fact. Just thought I'd throw that in. That I picture it as a balloon that you put in just you know, a regular size balloon that you put in just, let's say, four or five teaspoons of water. Then you tie it up and you lay it down on a counter and then with your forefinger, you attempt. Now, you can get all the water over in one end. You know, more or less. It's all kind of laying there. At one, one side of the balloon, one end of the other. And then take your forefinger and then, you know, be quick. I mean, hell, you're intelligent. Most of you got a high school education. It's you against dumb water. You against molecules. And just once it settles down, the water's... Well, in fact, you can cheat. You can put it on an uneven counter so that the water goes down on one end and then using all the stealth, dexterity, and intelligence you have, take your forefinger and before the water knows what happened, pin it down, the water there with your finger. Well, you can try it if you're an idiot. <laughs> that is the brain. Learning to talk. R is this. As I said, I found the variation, the attempted weasel out of, of someone's mind saying, well, you're right <laughs> that it is silly. It is, it is impossible that the brain learned to talk because to learn to talk means that, that someone taught it or that it learned it from someone. And that's like which number comes first. There's no such thing. There's no first number. Whatever number you say, you can put a down decimal in front of it. And so someone's mind could say the brain developed. That is, it didn't have help. That you're speaking to me, the person's mind could say you are literally correct. There was no first person to speak. Not based upon the attitude we're taking, not based upon the way it would seem to our thinking. And so the brain, it's improper to say that the brain learned to talk. We would have to say that the brain, over a period of time, developed the ability to talk. Do I have to say, think about that? It's no different than the brain learned to talk. It's just you're forestalling the inevitable. It just sounds better. It just sounds like, well, you're right. To say the brain learned to talk, that means like, that technically, it means that somebody, so, something, a tree, some other being, some other creature was here on the planet that could talk, and the humans were around it, or at least the pre-humans were around it, and they learned to talk. Their brains picked it up. And you're, they could say to me, you're right, not, you know, there's no basis for that. That's, that's incorrect to put it that way. But here is a more accurate, a more scientifically sound description as the brain obviously developed, developed its own ability. Seeing as that it did not have an extrinsic instructor, an example, it, you know, through whatever evolutionary pressures from Whatever evolutionary needs 
or extant, bubbling, percolating in man, then the brain gradually developed. Ooh, developed. How did it know what to do? How did it know which parts to put together? Well, I still see it. I was, well, maybe I'll go ahead. My original intent until I saw that book title was I was going back to the Echo and Narcissus story tonight. Finally say a few words since I brought it up. But this is the same thing. It was the same place I was going. The cells in our own brain, and I say our own, I'll go ahead, I exempt me. And I exempt you people on the basis that I talk to you. And those of you that show up, and those of you I know out listening on tape, that uh, it still means enough. I still believe that enough that I continue to do it, that you're not just being entertained. That the cells in your brain are... In part, exempt from the cells in everyone else's brain or the standard of the cells in their brain, even when operating at their own self-proclaimed height of intelligence, such as this man that wrote that book. Let's assume, I have no doubt, not questioning his credentials. Let's say that he is, I think it said, that one of, at the forefront of cognitive neuroscience. And do you think it ever struck him that the title of the book, the whole idea, how the brain learned to talk? you think somewhere, let's assume he's been working in that same general area for 20 years, did it ever strike him in any way that something was funny about that? And the answer is no. Well, it couldn't have. It wrecked his career. But it didn't. Why? How can the cells of the brain be doing what I say they're doing? Well, I don't, it's not because I say they're doing it. They're doing it right in front of you. They're doing it by that book. That man didn't write that book <coughs> any more than we do anything. I didn't show up here tonight because I wanted to or because I thought you were expecting me and I didn't want to let you down. You didn't show up here because of any reason. Your molecules made you do it. And in our case, in the case of us doing this, uh, it's, it's, it's fair to say even a bit more specifically that your brain molecules did it. As opposed to you didn't come here to eat, you didn't come here to have sex, you didn't come here to get out from uh, inclement conditions. You came here for non-essential reasons. You came here for reasons that exists only in certain cellular activity or cellular activity in certain areas of our brain, even if it's not as localized as once thought. But it's still, it is certainly not cellular activity in the brain back at the reptilian site, back any lower than the thalamus and the brain stem, because us being here, me being here, me doing this, you doing this, everything you think about, just everything about it is non-essential. And the brain cells that are active in it 
you would think in one sense. Just see if this doesn't make sense. Just want to see if anybody would go for it. See if this doesn't make sense. This makes perfect sense. As opposed to, I guess, imperfect or sense that, or seconds or factory rejects. The cellular activity in that area of the brain that makes speech possible, because it obviously speech is, was not developed nor learned below the thalamic level, below the brain stem level. It's up in the higher areas of the brain. There's no doubt about that. You would think, doesn't this make sense? That the cells in that area of the brain above all, would have some notion, some realization of what an ephemeral, what an intangible, an incorporeal world that they not only live in, but that they themselves have created. And thus, when they motivate a man and other people to agree with, to accept the idea that the brain learned to talk, the cells responsible for that have got to goddamn well know better. I don't know why I keep saying that. Stupidity. Because there's one view, and I understand, I could support that, but from one view, that is a fallacious. It's an unsupportable statement. Because if the brain cells responsible for the idea that the brain learned to talk, or for the idea that man is asleep and can awaken, that we can be more than we are, even without joining the army, the brain cells responsible for that, contrary to what I just said, when I said they know better, they don't know better. Because if they knew better, they wouldn't be asking the question. Because if they knew better, they'd be awake. Because if they knew better and were awake, we wouldn't be trying to wake up. Because you and I are not trying to wake up. It's cells in our brains in a particular area or particular cellular activity in our brains doing it. And what are they doing? Nobody ever questions it. No one ever thinks about this way that I know of. They are trying to wake up. And I keep encouraging you to you know, find your own view or to investigate for yourself since everyone seems to accept the idea that we're trying to wake up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I say that nobody knows what it means, including me. I used to. Thank God I'm past that. But I used to under oh, I used to understand that. I could I would nod knowingly and either answer people's questions about what it was or smile slyly and be just just enough be just enigmatic enough about it to impress them even further with my deep understanding. Nobody knows what it is, because when you know what it is, it's nothing. There's nothing to understand. You cannot I say that the brain cells don't know what they're doing, or they wouldn't be asking the question. They would not be formulating ideas in the way in which they do, because it's them doing it. I know how hard it is, damn near impossible, to remember that, but I'm not staying here talking. I mean, I know it seems so, but there is no me in here. God, this always spooks me out. Whew. Not bad enough to wake you up, though. 
I'm not staying here. There's no me in here. No, I didn't decide all this. How can you explain it? I just drove up. I knew I was coming over here. Knew I was going to talk. Before I got here, knew I was going to bring up the book title. And knew that if that didn't fly, then I was going back to the story of Echo and Narcissus, which I was going to do anyway. And if that didn't fly, I've learned by now it doesn't matter. I'll come up with something. So, but was that me doing that? You mean there was a me inside of me driving over here plotting all of this? Hell, I didn't plot just saying that. I just said it. It's your brain cells. Well, of course, us staying here living, me shifting from one foot to the other, laying against the wall, and then pacing back and forth. I'm not doing that. It sells my body. It's the molecular activity that make up the cells. They're doing all that from making me shift my weight when one leg gets tired. All the way from that, which seems to be, obviously, crude, simplistic, enough for even a person with minimum motor skills to navigate. But all the way from being able to come up with words, put sentences together, being sure not to leave prepositions hanging, being able to wheel together several independent clauses and wrap it up to where, at least oftentimes, I'm satisfied that it made syntactic sense were it written down on paper. How did I do that? It used to amaze me. And that still amazes me, but I don't care. And I don't mean just about me, about anybody. We don't give it credit. Nobody wants to think about it except us. Hell, you didn't want to think about it until you met me. All you want to do is wake up and be able to cast spells on women. And <laughs> at least you may. <laughs> Read minds, pick the horses, get even with all the people that pushed you around in high school in ways that didn't require muscle expenditure. Put curses on them or wish them ill. Or call upon the great white secret brotherhood to do your nefarious Exact your nefarious revenge on your behalf. You know what the molecules are asking? Since I keep putting it to you another way, that I tell you that all wanting to wake up is, no matter what it's ever been called, all it is, well, I usually put it to you, as you know, is I say it is the mind trying to conceive of itself. Or, in fact, I like it a little bit better. It's thoughts trying to figure out what they are. But what's better than all of those? Now, I like those two. The last one I like better than anything I've ever heard or thought of myself. Anything I've ever heard of. But the real one is, is get down, literally, down to the cellular level in your brain. In particular areas, the higher, so-called higher and newer areas of the brain, it is cellular activity. Cells. Shouldn't make it sound like turn it into a verb or an adverb, or an adverbial pronoun, or whatever the hell that is. It cells in a particular area of your brain. Think about them. Flashback now. Little square things, a little leg, a little stick, legs, a little stick, feet, and a little face drawn on it. Think about all those trillions and quadrillion trillions, well, lots of cells in your brain. And think about them all up there. It's them doing everything we do. And it's them doing all of this. And what are they actually doing? 
it is each, look at each little cell that's involved with, let's say, cortical, involved with consciousness, that each one of them, and people like us, what we're doing right now, is those, each little cell is pondering, it's trying to find its own book of Genesis, is what it's looking for. It's trying to conceive or from whence it cometh. Which is, a, in one sense, I assume you see what I'll point, what I mean by this, but in one sense, they are a lot closer to the point of origin than us. I mean, they got to be. I don't know how you see it that way. Because in one sense, I never tried to describe this, but maybe it's obvious, but in one sense, they are a generation closer to the Big Bang. They're a generation closer to Mother Earth, to the core of creation, because what we call us, you know, us, we, are made up of the cells. We're just an illusion. It's the cells that are alive. And, of course, you can't get down molecules and atoms, etc., but cells, at least, we can picture them with little arms and feet and faces. It is cells that are alive. It is cells making us do everything that we do. And it is cells. You're still stuck with it. It is cells in a part of the brain that are wanting to wake up. And what it amounts to, they're wanting to figure out themselves. Rather than me seeing the mind figure out itself or thoughts try to contemplate its own nature or conceive of itself. Whatever is true at one level, you know it's true at a lower level, a more basic level. Whatever's behind one level, it's obviously still true. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you except... I can enjoy that almost as much as a sunset or a nice-looking woman's ass or a woman's nice-looking... Anyway, it's the picture down to the cellular level. Let's assume for our, our purposes, you can't get any lower than it make much sense, that you've got these groups of cells, and each one of them will assume that down at that level, everything cooperates, that in this one area we call the cortex one area responsible for consciousness, but you've got one locale out of the brain, like one neighborhood, one country, one province in a whole domain, and all of them are involved in a common interest at certain times. The interest can change, but right now, whenever you're going to awaken, then all of those cells in a combined effort made you think about, damn, here I am distracted and just asleep. Now, this might as well be a bored the cells in your brain did that. What were they doing before that? Why don't they stay on the job? And isn't it a pretty picture to imagine that they're doing it? And it goes on and off and on and off. And they don't have to do it. It's like they do it in their spare time. The rest of the time, they keep you alive. But it gets up to our level. And if you're my kind of old sore-headed or at one time, if you're my old kind of sore-headed, middle-aged, wanna-be waker-upper, and still complaining about it, you know, God damn, how can I do better? How can I be this dumb? You know, it's not you saying that. It's the cells doing it. Why can't they do better? It doesn't get any lower than that. They're the ones doing it. Can't they do something about it? Don't they know what they're doing? And compared to, quote, us or you, they got to know what they're doing. They got to know more of what they're doing than you do because everything you do, they're the ones that made you do it. So why can't they stay on the straight and narrow? Why can't they apply themselves to doing this? 
Well, I say, since I've uh, built up this verbal picture of it in this inquiry, the reason they can't is because we phrase it, I want to awaken. When I say to you that the real description of it, or a better description, much more accurate, is it's thoughts trying to figure out themselves, or the mind trying to understand its own nature. Or, it's brain cells, certain brain cells, philosophizing, musing on where did we come from and what the hell are we doing here? If you can beat that for yourself, you know, you're welcome to it. But I challenge you, is that not a fair description? If you consider that on, and on the basis of the way you feel about this or however you still think about it, is that not, within that context, a quite accurate, a quite valid description? If you picture it down at that level, then here it is, however it is you think about it. I always bring me up as a non-serious example when I say that the greatest example you know, walk out of the house when you're late already. Walk right there, and you know you got to hurry, and walk right out and leave your keys laying right there on the counter. Or to reach for a glass and miss it, knock it over and break it. That kind of thing. I just use that as archetypical. And you can feel so dumb, or in the case of my archetypical mystic, feel so asleep be so righteously filled with self-indignation or indignation toward oneself that I'm still that dumb, I'm still that easily distracted. As much as I know, as much as I have experienced, I can still, just in an instant, for no reason. Well, I know what I was thinking. I was thinking, and I know exactly what I was thinking, which was nothing. That is, it was meaningless. And it was that, and that me looking off and staring inside my own brain as when I reached over there for the glass Instead of my fingers wrapping around it, they brushed against it and knocked it down and broke it. Where were your brain cells? What were they doing at the time? Not the motor ones. Not the ones in, involved with motor activity, but the ones in consciousness. The one in the areas of the brain in charge of consciousness. The ones that make you say, I want to be more awake. The ones that just then made you say when you knocked over the glass, down there I was asleep. What were they doing? Because they're the ones responsible. It's like you're trying, you in quotation marks, you're trying to do their bidding, and they keep letting you down. They suddenly jump in when you knock over the glass. Well, here we are asleep again. Because your view should be, what do you mean we, Kemosabe? I wasn't even here. What the hell you, what? Of course, that's another way to look at why thoughts pass themselves off and get, gave themselves another name. They don't call themselves thoughts. <laughs> they call themselves you. Or from your view, I. You understand that that is the universe as far as I know. It's incomparable as far as a cop-out. That the very things responsible for every dumb thing you've ever done have made you believe it's you. Well, of course, first off, they made you believe that you are them. And after that, hey, it's like you got a hall pass for life. A get out of jail free that never wears out. 
Because you drop a glass, you forget to mail in a payment. You think, God damn, how dumb, how asleep can one man be? Do your thoughts, did they ever come and say, wait a minute. They like ever nudge you, knock on the side of your brain, go, wait a minute. We're sorry. We can't let this charade go on any further. You didn't do that. I mean, I don't know why we've been such liver, liver, liver lily weasels all these years. We confess. We're sick of hiding from you. We did it. We're responsible. We're responsible for everything, good or bad. But notice, we just never said anything. We've always, we confess. You know, I've had a lot of things happen to me in my life, but that's not one of them. I had to track those bastards down. I ran them into corners, what I looked like corners to me, for several decades. And the thing about holding down water in a balloon with your finger, that's child's play, as you should know by now. You get your thoughts right in a corner. You think, now nah, I got you. And suddenly, you have to do it again. Suddenly, through some miraculous way, it's you and them have got you, except you've forgotten all about it. They disappeared and you didn't notice because you know the reason why. At any rate, I do not see them, it's never happened to me, confessing. They will not stuff up and take their medicine. You have to drag it out of them. You have to corner them, which is constructively an impossibility, as I've said. But you can't give up. If you give up, if, if for no other reason, you shouldn't give up because, for this reason alone. It makes them so happy. Now, hell, he, he was really trying to catch us, wasn't he? Now I'll go, yeah. So if for no other reason, you just don't give them the satisfaction. They have been you all of your life. They're, no, they're not going to confess otherwise. So even if you knew for a fact, or it's almost a fact, you can't know anything for a fact, but almost for a fact that if they are me, the me that's saying this right now, then how the hell am I ever going to, quote, find them out? How am I ever going to, quote, catch them if it's them saying this? See, it's one thing that people don't notice is then they make you immediately forget about it. Or they make you you're, immediately you think, Jesus, that is just self-fueling, self-referential. That is so circular. Damn, that's, I just give you. And by then, before you can even say all I do is give you a headache, you've already looked off and you're thinking, is that a spot on the wall? Am I getting is something How? Even they can't stand it. That's when I knew I was onto something. Because every brain cell that I had, what? Can we look at ourselves? Can a mirror see its own reflection? And of course, I said to them, don't pull that shit on me. I'm the one that thought of all that crap. Then they just smiled. Like, yeah, you thought of that. Well, I guess I'll save Echo and Narcissus. I don't know why. I just spilled everything I knew about it. 
talking about how the brain learned to talk. I just thought of another one that might be apropos. I can't resist. I just thought about it. Here's the kind of book I would like, especially if I could knew it was going to become a worldwide bestseller. I can see the title, How the Brain Learned to Shut Up. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.